Welcome. You're listening to Brilliance Through Resilience. I'm your host, Andrea Furpo, and I believe it is time for women to share their gifts, their beliefs, and their stories. These are lessons of endurance, voices demonstrating resilient spirits, tough skins, and a willingness to burrow deep underground for resources in order to survive. I've gathered a community of women to tell us their stories and inspire us to step into more courage and feminine leadership. My only hope with this podcast is to engage, inspire, and compel more women to share their voices. So wherever you are, sit back and relax with me. And thank you so much for listening in to today's show. You're listening to Brilliance Through Resilience, a podcast highlighting incredible women sharing in their ability to overcome. Our guest today is Krista Herring, and Krista is an indie artist from Portland, Oregon, most known for her intuitive and soulful songwriting. She has won the hearts of fans far and wide, winning awards such as Portland's Best Female Artist. Krista is most notably known for her intro and outro to our podcast here at Brilliance Through Resilience, singing her beautiful lyrics to her song, Free. When I first saw and heard the angelic voices of her and her daughter, Liana, on a friend's Instagram post, I fell in love. Mostly with Krista's effortless grace and her compassionate presence, but the quality and tone of her voice is spectacular, both hers and her daughter's together and separately. And her ability to go deep and share such raw vulnerability through her songwriting is what truly touched me. I followed Krista immediately and have followed her ever since to watch her play and to help support her in any way. I feel incredibly grateful to call her a friend. I know you're going to fall in love with her just as I have. Krista is also an empath, and she believes in the power to transform and heal through her soulful prose and her captivating vocals. I would agree. Her albums are a blend of acoustic folk rock and pop sensibility over an acoustic guitar. If we're lucky, she promises to sing some live acoustic versions of her songs. I am so looking forward to holding band practice in just a little bit. We're also doing things just a little different today. We're going to have some live footage of this podcast interview to be posted later on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to my channel either on my website at psychictruitor.com or by heading over to YouTube and typing in Andrea Firpo. That's F-I-R-P-O. Krista, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you share your strength with us here. Yay! Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. In my house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you invited me here, so... Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) 
yeah, thank you for being a part of the show today. How about that? Oh, yeah. Thank absolutely. you for inviting me into your home <laughs> and just like, you know, going immediately to Suping saying, just come and stay with me. I, you know, I really think yeah. you're, yeah, you're super awesome. It's been lovely. And we haven't stopped talking since. <laughs> we have not. And we have done a lot of creative processes in the kitchen already and lots of tea. So let's start simple. What's your favorite song? In general? Mm -hmm. Like in the whole world? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. I don't know if that's even possible. Okay, well, <laughs> start with one. Um, Give me a favorite song. A favorite song? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just won't work like that. Okay. I how about a song? Favorite song? How about a song that you really like? <laughs> I I have artists that I really like. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll tell that? you one of my favorite songs. Um, Gregory Allen Isakov's um, "Stable Song." Okay, I will look it up. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Perfect. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. What do you love the most about him? He is, you know what? It's an energy that he carries and he carries it with him wherever he goes, whether he's playing solo or he has a whole like, you know, production behind him. I've seen him, you know, he plays with the symphony or he'll just play solo. And I, it's powerful. Just him by himself is so powerful just to like shift the entire room. And there's just something ancient behind what mm. he does. It's so humble. Mm. and that's what I love so his songwriting and you know his his music and his albums are very landscapey and they kind of transport you and they kind of remind you of just driving across the country which is something I've done a few times and like to do yeah yeah <laughs> and so his his music has been a theme for that sometimes does he do, so he plays an instrument or does he also oh, yeah. sing? I don't know what kind of music it is. Um, yeah, I think you would call him folk. He's okay. Kind of like older. Cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah. does he play guitar? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a favorite movie? Do you have a favorite movie? Mm -hmm. I don't think about these things. These are not things I think about. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe. But I can tell you a movie that inspired one of my songs. Okay. Go. Um, did you ever see 42? No. That was the story of Jackie Robinson. Mm. So that was like a few years back. Maybe I did see it. Maybe it was. Maybe I did see it. Yeah, 12 or 13, 13. Yeah, so that song, I mean, that movie, I remember going to see that, and then I came home, and I wrote Shine. Really? Yes. So, which is just about persevering, and, you know, look how far we've come. Like, we can't stop now. <laughs> I love that song, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know you know that I love that song. <laughs> yeah. Thank yeah, you. that was definitely my first choice for the intro to Brilliance. Through resilience, I really mm -hmm. fell in love with that song. So, um, but your voice in general. I mean, it wouldn't matter if you were singing Mary Had a Little Lamb, really, when you put, put up the guitar. It's so, like, 
it just comes through you and it's such a natural gift of yours and it's so effortless like you make it look so easy but like I no. <laughs> I already admitted to you earlier this weekend like that I sang in choir which not not even you know my voice does not have the same quality by any means and and so I definitely have an appreciation for anyone who is just so naturally gifted and has such a Aww. beautiful tone. And like it, yeah, it's, you have a pretty special voice. Thank you. You're so welcome. Yeah. You know, what's really funny about that is I was actually in choir in high school and I was really shy about my voice. And I remember we had tryouts for some solos sometime and um, at, over lunch and I was just so shy and I just would had to wait until every single person tried out and left the room and like the bell rang. And then I was like, can I just like, <laughs> I was just so shy. So everyone had to be gone. And then I tried out and then I got the solo, this really special one. It was like the solo. What a, su- in, what in a little- surprise. What a surprise that you got the solo. It was in Little Shop of Horrors. You remember that song, yeah. Somewhere That's Green? Yeah. <laughs> So that was sort of like my first stage performance. And then everyone just was like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, oh, Oh. I can sing. I don't know. I thought everyone could sing like the angels. I don't know. I know. It's just something I always like. You just don't have, you know, I mean, you don't have the confidence. Something I've been doing since I've been little. Sure. Yeah. Does anyone else in your family sing? No. Oh, you're kidding. Nobody sings. Except for your daughter. <laughs> My daughter, yes. Yeah, so yeah. nobody preceding me sings. Um, my mom loves music, but she doesn't play music. She nice. played flute. And so I played classical flute for five years, actually. Did That's you? something that I did very well. It's been a while. So huh. I gave up flute so that I could play guitar because I can't sing and play flute at the same time. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see maybe, how you would pull that off. Yeah, I could try. Maybe I'm, you know, boxing myself in. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you're just limiting yourself. I think maybe. <laughs> you would tell me you that. Find, <laughs> you find a way. Find a way through that, Krista. Um, <laughs> name something that you can't live without. Ah. <sighs> Hmm. Well, there's a couple things. <laughs> All right. I can't live without nature. Mm. I have to have nature. Mm. Nature, I just need to be able to reset, connect. And I can't live without music. Mm. Sometimes I've tried, but I, yeah, I just, I cannot. Um, and I've even tried to live without, you know, not playing all the time, but yeah, it's just not living as well. What it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, I would agree, especially when music is such a big part of your life. If you mm-hmm. give that up, yeah, it would it would create a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially in spending time with you in the last couple of days, it's it's a pretty big part of your night. I mean, your life. Mm-hmm. I remember last night sitting there and, you know, I think I even told you, like, having somebody to just play while I'm sitting there cutting vegetables <laughs> is, like, amazing. Like, yeah. So um, it's it's such a beautiful part just of Just singing for my supper. 
I've been doing that for like 20 years now. Well, I'm appreciative. I've never had anyone sing to me for their supper. It's amazing. I would probably cook every single freaking night. I would learn how to be a great cook. This is going to work out great. I'll be moving in next weekend. Excellent. I love it. So how old were you when you first fell in love? When I first fell in love? Hmm. That is an interesting question. That's my point. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make this a little interesting. <laughs> That's funny. That's not really something I really ever thought about. Huh. You would think. Hmm. You know, there's like first boyfriends, first sure, crushes, sure, sure. like, yeah. So when did that happen for you? Okay, so if I'm being honest, maybe the first time I was ever hmm, surrendered enough to fall in love. Hmm. I, you know, I'm not really, I'm trying to be clear. I'm not really sure. Um, and the reason is because it could go in and out because uh, falling in love is a state of mind that I can reach in a place of surrender. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't mean that I'm with the right partner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but I have been able to reach that um, several times. So, for example, I was married for 10 years, but maybe it took me... <laughs> this sounds funny to most people, but we we were not in in love in the traditional sense for a few reasons. But um, yeah, it took me. It took a lot. It took a lot. It took. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without going into the, the entire story. Yeah, behind it. yeah, and. Um, Suffice it to say that perhaps I was um, not in control of my life and allowing someone else to be in control of my life, not him, but at the time. Um, and so it just, I would say almost as if it was an arranged marriage or something, you know, and I didn't believe in romantic love. So when did you believe in romantic love? Hmm... When did that happen for you? I mean, I've always ha I always have that in me. So that's that's something that I've had since I was a child. I've had dreams, you know, of I've had dreams I remember <laughs> of my of the love of my life and and certain things that happened. But um yeah, so I don't know. It took me maybe like 5 years or something with my husband before um, some things fell apart and then we were kind of off and on and, and figuring out and being finally present, like not just we're together because we're together or because that's what we were doing yesterday, but do we belong together? Are we in a relationship? Do we want to be together? And um, really being raw and open and learning to fall in love with each other. So that took a while, like it was almost like a courting period. Yes. I mean, you know, we had two children 
and <laughs> there were some other things going on. Yeah, we were like, there we were, were a just, few things we happening. We were young and we were best friends or whatever. Yeah. We were friends. That's yeah. really what it came down to. So, so we were never really in love in that sense. I can get myself to that space, but it, I did not experience that per se with him. So yeah. have you ever experienced that? Um, yes. Yeah. So I have experienced, I mean, I've experienced glimpses with people um, the most notable, like the one that I just think about, like immediately, mm-hmm. um, was really just a few years ago. Mm. So, um, yeah, and it was sort of a love at first sight kind of thing, and you know the 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 little kiss that you that we both like thought about for days. You know what I mean? And um, that, that guy inspired uh, the song Blackest Blue and a few other beautiful ones that haven't been recorded. But um, that we're going to hear later? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. And then that one's recorded. So maybe you've heard that one. That one's on like Spotify and Pandora. I and have iTunes. heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and my, my girl is singing in the background of that, but she was sixteen at the time. Oh. Yeah. That was her first. So, um, yeah, that one was really, really special. Mm-hmm. And it'll always stick with me. And he, there was an age gap and he was too young. That's what it came down to. <laughs> yeah. And he just wasn't going to work, but he still was like a a soulmate twin flame of mine. And I knew that and I don't know. There was just so much like passion and even, you know, we had to, we had to complete that and I had to let go because it wasn't, we were in different places. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just knew, I knew from the beginning. And I, in fact, the first song I wrote for him was called Borrowed Time. Actually, Mm -hmm. I love that one. It hasn't been recorded, but um, yeah, that's, we knew, we kind of knew from the beginning that we were on Borrowed Time and that makes it kind of, it always makes it super sweet, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So, um, so tell me something yeah. unique or interesting about you that mm-hmm. only someone close to you would know. Um, well, it's probably a few things, but the most unique and interesting thing about me is that, <laughs> in my opinion, that you love to lick your finger after you make candy. Admit it. That I do. I, I do love to do that. Yes. yes. <laughs> is it interesting? I don't know. <laughs> um, is that I actually uh, was in a cult, like a spiritual cult uh-huh. from 16 to 19. So I was never raised religious. I was actually very anti-religion mm-hmm. and um, life has always shown me you know the things that I judge or you know whatever it just comes around to show me in some sort of back way that I never expected you know like how can somebody let someone else think for themselves you know things like that oh this is how it happens so yeah it was not religious it was a spiritual it was a spiritual thing it um it was not something organized. It was it was a, a particular teacher. He was an author and lecturer, and this was back in like ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, ninety seven, and um, yeah, he was just a very charismatic, um, supposedly clairvoyant 
individual and and this was a different time in the world and it was very easy to sort of like get caught up in something like that and I grew up very fast I was very you know sort of just old soul um yeah at the time I was reading Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God so that I was having a major spiritual awakening Reckoning. And meeting my teacher at the time, John, um, really kind of just, how do I say, like it just accelerated that in just this really big way. It was very fated. It was very, it was just going to, it was always going to happen. And um, yeah, and it, and there was nothing weird or bad about it to begin with. You know, he's just an author. He had... You know, just people who like to go hear him lecture uh-huh. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to talk with him one-on-one. And sure. Get the lowdown. And, yeah. and in the beginning, it was all, you know, just good. It was like all the good things, you know, love and tolerance and compassion and all, you know, stuff. It was based on, like, esoteric principles, stuff that's been taught for, you know, um, centuries. Like Alice Bailey and H.P. Blavatsky and all the masters, you mm. know. So that was that. Was it, it just spiraled it like out. A, was it like a commune? Did you all live in the same housing? No, it was or? nothing like that at all. Okay. Yeah, it was, that's what I mean. It was not organized. So tell me more about the cult part of it. Like, Yeah, and the reason I say cult is because it's just this personality that people essentially just became enamored with mm-hmm. and um, looking for answers mm-hmm. gave their power over. And so it was our belief that the teacher was sort of the, um, like, I'm missing a word, but was like the go between, between you, your personality and your soul, right? So he was the, um, yeah, whatever. And the communicator. Yeah. Or the deliverer of information. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I will say in the beginning, I think, he, he felt clear. He felt good. But things quickly, very insidiously sort of spiraled out of control over the years. So I made a lot of choices based on that. I mm-hmm. isolated myself in a big way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, was very, I was very disciplined. So if you can imagine, I was like 16 and I was you know, getting up at 4.30 in the morning every morning and doing hours of meditation and visualization work. You know, I would Mm -hmm. go to bed with the sunset. Like, Mm -hmm. I was regularly juice fasting, you know, like once a month for three days. Like, I just was, there were a lot of things. (laughs) Did you enjoy it? Yes, yeah. I mean, in a way, yes, I needed that structure. That was something I didn't have as a child. Okay. I had no, you know, I may have been raised without religion and, you know, I'm happy for that, but I was not raised with any sense of spirituality, you know, or at its core love, right? That, um, that feeling that you are loved and a part of something bigger. And I think that is the core of it all. Mm -hmm. So not having had that or any real structure, um, yeah, I think it was pretty natural for me to, to fall that into out. that. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, to search it out for your, own, you know, to mm-hmm. answer your own questions, right? Because if that isn't modeled to you or it isn't expressed through a parent, then you are eventually, you would hope, going to go on an adventure yourself, a right. journey of finding out what does that mean to you or, mm-hmm. you know, it's no different yeah. than dabbling in Christianity or another right. religion, right? It's mm-hmm. like, does this work for me? Do I totally agree with all of the principles that come along with it? And I, you know, I did the same thing. I didn't join a cult, but I, you know, you could say that being born again Christian is a little cultish, and you could say that. I would like, say that. My mom, <laughs> I would yeah, say they all my, are. My, yeah, my mom's <laughs> Christian scientist upbringing was definitely a little bit cultish, and you know, right. so you know, there's there's a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I just think any time that we're handing over our power to something outside of ourselves, that could be part of the definition of a cult or any organization that seeks to take away our. Um, our self-empowerment, our, um, what's the word? Uh, it's something about that. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought self-empowerment was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, essentially. So, you know, that, that, um, yeah, that those, those are things that I would call a cult. Those are things that seek to keep you from knowing your own power and truth direct, your direct connection to source or at least teaching you how to find that for yourself right Right. Mm -hmm. feeling free to be the leader in that but also Mm -hmm. allowing you to find it for yourself yeah or teaching you the principles surrounding it so that you can access right learn to access it Mm -hmm. or clear out your energy so that you're able to access it easier or right right Mm -hmm. and that you know and that was you know we used to have a lot of that in the world and now we're in a different we're in a different place in the world. Not that that's not still happening in some areas, but I think that people have definitely come away from the idea more and more of guru, of this outside me is the answer. So more and more, we're just listening to ourselves, listening mm-hmm. to the wisdom of our bodies, mm-hmm. you know, listening to how we feel about something mm-hmm. instead of just listening to the words. And I think that was one of my biggest lessons in that. And it's one of my biggest life lessons. Really? Tell me more about that. Listen beneath the words. Listen beneath the words. You know, the words can be lies. There's not, you know, words, there's, words are words. And I have, and (laughs) especially in the music industry, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like so many promises, so many underlying intentions you know that if you aren't hmm, if you aren't careful can really take you down the wrong path if you don't listen to what you feel about what's being said because you're hoping that it's right because it would lead to what you want (laughs) you're trading you're trading your soul and you are ignoring your truth. Yes. And so, yes, that's the challenge. <laughs> okay. Staying true, staying true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you also got married while you were in the cult. I did. Yeah. Yes. Um, I ended up with my husband pretty much because I was in the cult. I don't need to go into why. Yeah. Um. But that's how you met. Yeah. And then you and then, had two daughters. Yes. 
And that also really resulted, these are all direct (laughs) results from those experiences, their decisions that maybe I didn't necessarily make myself, but that were sort of made, if that makes sense. You know, it wasn't like how I felt in my right mind conscious decisions. So then were they suggestions by someone else or? No, not necessarily. What I would say is um, there's a mindset of, well, everything, and people, plenty of people believe this, (laughs) everything just happens as it's going to happen. And, well, it's just meant to be. Hmm. Well, it happened. It's Hmm. just meant to be. Hmm. And so no free will. Right? So don't believe in free will, right? Right. Like, you just have to stay with your situation and circumstances. And just to bring it back around, this is what I would say. This is the same lesson in the cult. Words that were said and things that were happening underneath. Hmm. You know? Um, mm, Assumptions that were made. um, It wasn't made vocally clear to me at any point that you were not to ask questions about some things or other people's experiences with the teacher or what, the, you know, things like you that. You do fact checking and investigation was. work before you hopped in. Huh. And how old were you? 16? <laughs> I was 16 yeah. wearing my homemade hippie clothes and a little belly chain. Yeah. <laughs> and writing songs. I was already a little songwriter. Oh. That yeah. is so awesome. I would love to see a picture of that. Oh my gosh, when we're done, I will show you. Okay. I will show you. There's some in there. I have a picture on his horse ranch. Oh, yeah. yeah. We need to see that. <laughs> so you grew up in California mm-hmm. without your father present. Correct. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Um, well, my early childhood was, you know. <laughs> when did he, when did he leave? Was he present well, until a particular age? Do yes, you remember that? Was, we were around we were around with him sort of on and off until I was five. Okay. We would leave often and go back to my grandparents. You know, it just wasn't a very safe wasn't a very safe space. Um and then when I was five, that was the last time. And we left and I had it was my mom and me and my little baby sister, and we went down to my grandparents in Yorba Belinda, down in Southern California, and yeah, that's how I ended up there. <laughs> so you grew up in Southern California until what age? Um, until I left on my own when that's I was right. seventeen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, when I was in the cult. When you were in the cult, you left, and then I flew to the other side of the country. Is that where <laughs> is that where the cult was? Where was the cult? No, he. Everybody was in California, but okay. At this point, <laughs> we were starting to. It was starting to spiral into some conspiracy stuff. So it was starting to go. This was the time when they were like, "The comet is coming, and California is going to fall into the ocean." Oh, so this yeah, is I where it went. That. This yeah. is where it started to go downhill. I see. And um. So basically, you know, he was saying, oh, you got to get out of California. And I'm like, we have to, have to get out of California. So I, but anyway, I, I graduated early. I had great grades, graduated early, a semester early. And then I just decided, well, I'm just going to fly. Well, I wanted to go to Boulder, but I was 17. What are you going to do? You're going to fly to a state you don't know without a job 
as a minor, that's not that's not a good idea. I don't know where my mom was in this. She was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah. Still, I'm like, what the? My daughter tried that shit. <laughs> um, so it, it was not going to work. But I had a, um, a best girlfriend at the time who lived in Connecticut, sort of a new best girlfriend. She lived in Connecticut with her mom. So I decide, okay, well, here's January. I'm going to fly to Connecticut in the middle of winter and I'm going to live with her and her mom. And I did that and, um, and got, got some jobs. And all I did during this time was like meditate and work and like play music. And I, you know, like these are all the things left my boyfriend who later became my husband, left him in California. Um, I was just prepared to leave everything. I was like, oh, California is going to fall in the ocean. Well, goodbye. This is the last time I see you all. <laughs> so, anyway. And then, and then from there, you moved to Colorado, I assume. To yeah, six remember. months later, yeah. we kind of, me and my best friend and him and his best friend, like, we all moved into Boulder. Yeah. And that's how you all, you got back together. Yeah, we were still together. Mm-hmm. We were just living on the other side of the country. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really care. I didn't really. How did you end up <laughs> leaving the cult? Like, did it occur to you at some point? Like, yeah, no. Yeah, well, what was that like, like for you? quickly, you know, over the years, it sort of spiraled into government conspiracy. It spiraled into the Y2K thing. <clears throat> Little known fact during these times, I've always been a writer. So I was writing articles that were being published in spiritual magazines across the country and online. Nobody knows these things about me. <laughs> One fan of mine in St. Louis still knows. And he's been following me ever since. Wow! <laughs> but, um... But so this stuff was happening, and I had so many articles, and one of them was called Y2K in Martial Law. And so I hope you can never find that. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going to look for it now. <laughs> um, yeah, just craziness. So this kind of stuff was happening. These people didn't know how old I was. They were just, you know, whatever. I was a writer. So um, that's the kind of stuff we were playing with at that point. And it just got it's more and more spiraled into this heavy, weird shit. Mm. You know, we're preparing for Y2K. And during this time, I, you know, well, so when we first moved to Boulder, not long after that, I got pregnant. So we had Liana. And so we were there for a year. We had her and we moved back to California. Um, let's just say... All these things came and went. Y2K came and went. Nothing changed. Eventually, I found out from one of my best friends in the cult. So I was, what, you know, at this point, like 18 or 19 or something. 19. And she was like, you know, maybe 50 or something like that. But she was the one who I was closest to and the only one I would ever be able to hear this from. We always had people like, you know turn away so to speak or say like this is not right like this you know but they would be demonized by the teacher they would be you know whatever they've gone the way of judas i mean it was like intense like mm. we were like dark forces light forces you know this is what it was so um yeah eventually she you know called me up and said i need to talk to you it's about our teacher like please come you know 
So I went and talked to her and listened to what she had to say and, you know, just come to like really find out that like there were things happening I had no idea about. There was a lot of lies. There was a lot of manipulation. There was him sleeping with others of the women. Um, I don't know that he wouldn't have done that with me had I not, you know, gotten into this relationship with. Hmm. my my boyfriend at the time hmm. um so yeah you, so you essentially woke up one day and you were just done yeah well when she told me about this basically what happened is and I'm a girl who never gets headaches I got an immediate migraine it hmm. was like rocking my entire world hmm. because if you can imagine <laughs> at this age just being yeah, so, so sure, mad. you are so sure of who you are yeah. and what you were doing in the world, yeah. how you were being of service. Yeah. That was really our thing, being of service. being It's always been my thing. Um, it's a good to thing. Find out, it's a good yeah. thing. You do it really well. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But come to find out that everything you built your life on, including the, the, the person who's like, your husband or whatever, your relationship, and you've had a child at a young age mm-hmm. and halted a lot of things that perhaps I would have done in, let's say, my right mind, you know, um, and isolated myself from a lot of people and maybe made some decisions that made me look a little, like, questionable mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was very difficult to take. And knowing how integrated he was into my every thought throughout the day I'm not kidding you for years I mean I would dream with him I believed that he taught us in dreams like everything my energy was going to him all the time mm-hmm. he was like a giant vampire and mm-hmm. everyone's energy was going to the teacher so another reason why I didn't believe in romantic love my energy was going to devotion to bhakti so it was you know to me, it was transmuted and it was going towards my teacher. I didn't care. That's why I didn't pay any attention to really my relationship. Hmm. That was not, I didn't care. (laughs) So anyhow, it comes to pass that all this is really based on some lies and manipulation. And I mean, it got weird. Like it got weird. Like we, he would move different places and we went and visited him at one point with our little baby And he had just like an attic full of guns. And he, remember, he was like brought out, brought one out and showed us, it must have been an AR-15. And he's like, see, blah, blah, whatever. And then he like accidentally shot the house. (sighs) And I'm like, I have a little baby. (laughs) Some of the shit that happened, sorry. It's fine. (laughs) It's just really, you'd be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But this is what happens once you have given, once you have like sort of made that decision and you've given your power over to somebody, you can excuse a A lot lot of shit. (laughs) You absolutely can. Yep. And so I woke up out of that and it was terrifying at first. It was terrifying because I felt him like I was just terrified. Mm -hmm. Like, I'd always felt him all around me, and now I was just terrified. Like, mm-hmm. is he watching me? Is he, mm-hmm. You know, this still was just like, oh, my God, you know. And then I wrote some other online articles about the cult, but under a pseudonym and <laughs> didn't use his name, his name either. I didn't, I didn't really want to bring up any 
stuff. But it was shocking. It was like waking up from a dream you just swore was real. And that's a theme in my life, actually. Yeah, it's a theme <laughs> in mine, too. <laughs> when did you first pick up an instrument? Um, well, I started with playing, well, I, st- I tried to play the violin in fourth grade, right? Because that's just what you're allowed yeah, to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did too. That wasn't going well. It was terrible. It was very scratchy. <laughs> so fifth grade, then I could play the flute, which my mom had a nice flute. So then I started there, and then five years I played classical flute. Wow. And then you and then picked I up the guitar? gave that up to play guitar. Huh. And as soon as I learned a couple chords, I started writing songs. It was just immediate. Wow. Wow. I was a writer. I mean, I like to write poetry, so it was like the most natural thing for me just to, it was just like, oh, it's like, I don't know. It's a vibration that allows you to like bring something forward. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was like, it was very natural for me. Hmm. Is guitar the most natural instrument for you? Do you like playing it? Yes. I mean, had I perhaps learned piano, that might have been natural. Ah. I've had people tell me that I play guitar like a piano. Or oh, really? I've, you know, I'll mess around on the piano, and I've written a song on the piano. Yeah. I've never... Yeah, I don't remember it. <laughs> we had a piano when I lived in Nashville. Um, uh, yeah, my roommate had a piano, and so I used to play in that. You'll have to come play the piano at our house. Oh, I don't play. No. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not be unclear. Okay, okay, fair enough. Then bring your guitar. I can try. Um, it's just available to you. Um, when did you decide you wanted to be a singer and why? Oh, gosh, I've been singing since I was, like, a few years old. Mm. Yeah, there's, like, somewhere, there's some random, like, old, you know, home video of me, like, skinny little me, four years old, in my little swimsuit, like, singing to my peas, you know? I don't know why I ate peas. (laughs) I love peas! And about rainbows in the sky, and... I used to sing too. <laughs> I, and I used to love, right? We had like Cindy Lauper yeah. and Madonna, yeah. you know, yeah. dating myself. But um, yeah, I just used to love to sing. So it mm-hmm. mm-hmm. doesn't mean I was like good at it at a young age, but. <laughs> well, that's debatable. But <laughs> So when did you like, you know, you played all of these instruments and then was it once you learned yeah you said once you learned the guitar you wrote your first song and and so combining those two once you started playing a little bit more often is that when you were like oh I could maybe do this as like my career path when did that happen for you um you know I I thought about it pretty early on Hmm. so I mean I started playing at 16 immediately During started the writing yeah okay yeah. okay well so a lot came through at 16 yeah, yeah. and yeah, it yeah. started before the cult so much happens in a short amount of time but um yeah and that was one of the things that I was going to do in Boulder you know mm. interestingly enough mm. you know and at that point by the way he had also moved to Colorado so um he was in Colorado Springs the cult leader yeah okay but I intuitively picked Boulder, and I didn't know he was there, which is funny. 
So, um, so he, he kind of was, was following to, you. <laughs> he was there first. He was, oh, he was. So you he were following him. Me. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, oh, oh well. Um, but yeah, I went out there to go to music school. I don't even know what's out. I don't remember what's out there, but that was my intention. And he had promised to um, help me, you know, like fund my first album. Mm. I've gotten a lot of those promises over the years, by the way. <laughs> pure manipulation. You've had a lot of men, you've had a lot of men promise you things over the years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it means literally nothing to me anymore. That's nice. <laughs> Until that check is in my hand and you haven't tried to sleep with me, then <laughs> great. Right. So yeah, that was the beginning of that. But instead other things happened. Yeah. I got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. 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 So none of that ever happened. And yeah, that was that. And then you chose to raise a family. And when did yeah. you get back into singing and kind of making that a profession? Was that, um, um, you know, how old were the mm -hmm. girls? And well, when I moved to Ashland in 2002, the girls were little, um, Kira was 18 months at the time. Like, and I did this the way I do everything. I just, except it wasn't just me. It was the whole family. Like, we're going to move to Ashland from Southern California in one month. Pack up everything. Let's go. <laughs> Unsight, unseen. Never visited. This is just the way I do things. And, um, yeah, so we did that. And it took a little bit of time. And, you know, I finally, um, I started to come into myself, um, we split up for the first time, which was very good for me. I started to play out in Ashland. I started to play with other people. I had my people. It was such a like, small community, and, and it was really sweet. It's, it was like college years. That's what it felt like, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and that was how I really started to get confidence around that. And I started writing a lot. Um, how old were you? At this time? 22. Okay. Mm -hmm. Turned 23 there. And, um, yeah, it was like, you know, I grew up so fast. I had some babies so early. So, you know, all that. So yeah. it finally felt like, okay, it's time for me to just be my age a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just kind of consciously step down. From this spiritual world of reading all the books all the times and just live and have my experience. And so that is what that was about. Hmm. Yeah. As a singer and songwriter, where do you get your best ideas? Well, it seems that I get a lot of my inspiration from um, relationships, let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, Tell me more about that. Either I'm in love or I'm tortured. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's mostly about the complexities of relationships, those dynamics, the trying to work it out, um, working out your childhood stuff through mm -hmm. relationships, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's the push-pull. So I don't tend to write 
unless there's stuff going on. There mm-hmm. needs to be like growth. There needs to be edges. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you hear people say like, well, I'm not ready because I'm happy. <laughs> there's ha- There's some truth to that. But that has happened to me a couple of times. I'm coming out of one of those times. And I'm not really sure when I look back on it if it's the truth or not. You know, there's some part of you that's like, oh, I'm in love and I'm happy and everything's so good. And then there's the other part of you that's like, well, then why am I not writing? Because it's not true. I've definitely been in relationships and been good and been able to write. Huh. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. But there has to be some, there has to be movement. There has to be stuff going on. Like, I'm not, I'm not a mundane life girl. (laughs) You know, things just can't be the same. I don't really want to just, like, hang out at home and, you know, or go do the day job or, you know, count down to retirement. So why haven't you been writing lately? Um, You know what? I think that the muse comes when it comes. But I would say the reason I haven't been writing more recently in the past um you know few months or during the course of this most of this last relationship is that I'm an empath and my surroundings affect me my mm-hmm. partner greatly affects me mm-hmm. and what they're and my partner <laughs> yeah yes and so my partner in the past you know in this past year or so has had a lot going on Mm -hmm. and I don't need to get into any of that but there's just a lot going on and it's it is really heavy and it's been a lot of me trying to coach or help or fix Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of family dynamic there and it's just um in those places there's no room for me I was just gonna say so the priority wasn't you Yes, and the other half of that is that I can be a pretty alpha personality. Hmm. And I don't really necessarily want to be in that role, in that masculine role in my relationship. Hmm. So very important to me that I'm able to relax and surrender into the feminine and be taken care of and be able to focus on my creativity like what I'm creating and have some freedom freedom is so important to me Mm -hmm. so um when I feel like I have to get control for other people or take care of stuff like I will step into that role I will always step into the leadership role where I see something needs to be done but if it's in a partnership then there's a toll that's taken in other areas of my life so that's that's what I see it's Mm -hmm. a pattern I've had with other relationships as well Mm. Yeah, but you, you know, you're always evolving and, and leaning as you lean into, to that lesson, you, um, you learn different depths of it in order to clear it out. Mm -hmm. I feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you keep building on your experience of that. And, and that's, that's, I think where, you know, you currently are, you know, you, you've gotten to a place where you really kind of see what what is next for you and creating something that is going to be completely supportive of your career for the first time in your life so I'm really 
I'm really, <laughs> really excited for you saying yes to yourself. Yeah. Because it's, it, you know, when we, when we've had, you and I have had different lives, don't get me wrong, but when we have put ourselves on hold in any ways, like it's so, such a wonderful shift to really um, step out of that and really step into next steps and clarity for what you want your life to be. Mm-hmm. And I see that for you in this upcoming <laughs> year. So it's really exciting to see what you're going to create and what's going to come of that. Um, you know, incorporating all of this experience as well. And, mm-hmm. and really, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier today how you're you really feel like this next album is going to be super powerful for you just mm-hmm. because of where you are and, you know, all of the things that you've experienced. And yeah, so I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Me too. <laughs> um, yeah, gonna, you're going to have to keep us, you're going to have to keep us posted too on mm-hmm. your um, travels and where you end up. Um, moving to because currently you live in Bend but um, I know that it's in in the future that you're looking into other possibilities for places to Mm -hmm. be with more creatives and supportive of Mm -hmm. your career and and um, you know work with other musicians too so yeah yeah so (laughs) you face no shortages of challenge shortage of challenges in your life which hurdles did you personally face and how have you overcome them? Hmm. You know, there are so many different kinds of challenges. <laughs> some of them are external and some of them are internal. Um, and then some of them sort of are <laughs> a little of both. <laughs> The external ones sometimes turn into the internal uh-huh. ones. Um, so, you know, I feel like... I feel like I've had challenge... Mm, I've had challenges in terms of the way I was raised that have affected me in an internal way. Mm-hmm. And I would say that... Um, Perhaps those turned into, you know, that my biggest hurdles are my own hurdles, are the internal, you know, the thoughts about like <clears throat> being worthy of something or not. Um, hmm. There's a lot, sorry, it's, there's a lot of thinking. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that's okay. Let's just stick with that. Like, yeah, yeah, being worthy. Yeah, that is something that Feeling, you've been over yes. able to overcome. Yeah. Yes, maybe still overcoming, you know, I know, maybe for the yeah. rest of your life overcoming, <laughs> right. right? But yeah. it is something that you consistently work at. Yes. Yeah. And there's, um, yeah, worthiness, deserving, or can I have this, or mm-hmm. maybe even do I want this, mm-hmm. you know? So there's some of that, too, mm-hmm. confusion about do I want this, or is this what other people want, want for, for me? me? 
And so there's been some of that, which has caused me pause in my career now and again in my music career. Um, Because my rule is, is if I don't feel inspired, I don't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I'm not feeling it, it's not going to happen. And I refuse, unlike some people, which is great, totally fine, discipline. I'm going to pick up my guitar every day and I'm going to play and you know, try and write or, you know, national summers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do that. That's not how I work. I listen. And um, I might not play for a month or a few months, and then I will suddenly pick up the guitar and write an amazing song. You know what I mean? And that was the time. Yeah. So I don't need to sit around and, like, write and practice from – it's not a mental activity for me. You don't need to do that every day and just be like, oh, let's just make something up. It's mm-hmm. cool. I love that people can do that. But for me, it is more of a channeling. It's more of like something needs to come through mm-hmm. and let's give it a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how I write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that as well. And I think that's these, also how you write, right? Yeah. The yeah, you write your lyrics. You. Do you yeah. normally write the lyrics and then the song follows? Or do you write the music and then the song follows? the lyrics follow or is it a combination or it depends on the song? Yeah, it can totally depend on the song. I would say most of the time it looks like, you know, feel there's a feeling (laughs) and maybe I will, you know, mess around with a couple chords. They strike just the right chord (laughs) and words start to come through. I don't necessarily know what it is. It forms itself. Something starts to come through Mm -hmm. And then it's like, it, it just, they write themselves and they all look different. Mm. Some of them want to be this structure. Some of them want to be this structure. Some of them want zero structure at all. And that is okay. Mm. Um, there have been times where I have written poems, like I've written a poem. Um, and then, you know, my guitar player came to me, hey, I've got this, these chords, like, you know, I, want, I think you should do something with them. And it just happened to go perfectly. And one of and that song, one of those songs is um, One Foot In. And that is also not recorded, but it's a great song. <laughs> but it is on a YouTube video of me in Mississippi Studios, like, some years back. Um, yeah, and it was a great song. But, you know, that's how that song yeah. was, wrote, was written. And other co-writes that I've done, it's also been a similar thing of, like, you know, if I'm stuck somewhere, um, I used to message my friend who is a, an MC, a rapper, and he and I would be like, can you just write me write me a verse about, you know, having like a hard day? Like, it's just one of those days. And he's like working at Trader Joe's and a lot of them do for whatever reason. <laughs> and he's just Musicians like, just like Trader Joe's? <laughs> all, all the rap artists like, <laughs> working at Trader Joe's. Yes, that's it. And then he would just like send me back like a couple of verses and I'd be like, yes. And then I'd start to put that into something and you know, and that time was a song called Head Up, you know. Um, there was another one that was like, uh, that while I was doing ecstatic dance, that words started flowing through me. Like the poem, like something like came through me. It was really, and I wrote it down. And then at some point, not long later, I turned it into a song. That one's called Whisper. That's like a fan favorite. But also not recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my songs are not recorded. Well, <laughs> you're going to change that. Yes, that is the intention. Yeah. That's for sure my intention for mm-hmm. this year. 
find some, find a production team, some collaboration, like make some stuff happen. Because for me, it's all about being able to stay in that creative space. Just keep creating. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we have to work with is all these songs that you need have a lot to come to fruition. Yes, at least at least a couple, maybe two, three albums worth have to be recorded. Yeah, because <laughs> I forget them all. Because yeah. I've written so many hundreds of songs, there's just no room. You keep going forward, and then you lose some really beautiful ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. How do you take risks? Risks? Yeah. Hmm. Well, with Faith and trust <laughs> in the universe, not necessarily in other people. <laughs> okay. To clarify, um, actually, that's been another you know lifelong lesson for me. Is not um, trusting other people. Mm, well, or not learning to trust other people. Life, learning to trust, trust life. life. I don't need to trust people. Like people are people. There, I, I, tr- I can trust people. I will trust people until they prove untrustworthy. That happens a lot. But, but people I don't rely on. But just, you know, um, life or spirit or whatever you want to call it, just the process. That things are unfolding as they should unfold and that we're covered, that we're okay, that we're taken care of, that what we need will come to us. That's... That is how I can take risks. I take a lot of risks. I mean, (laughs) I take risks in terms of um, making, like, big, quick decisions and moves. I'm always, like, moving across the country and back. You know, sort of just a local joke here. (laughs) Oh, Chris is moving to Nashville again. (laughs) See you next week. And then it's like, yep. Yeah, and well, you just like to move. We talked about you being mm-hmm. a gypsy, you know, and yeah. that definitely runs through your ancestry as well. We talked a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. 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 Didn't you tell me you're from what? Tri- is it a tribe? Is it? It's a. It's oh yes, my my mother's mother, my grandmother, part of yeah. That ancestry is part of the um, Ashkenazi twelfth tribe, which is the wandering tribe. That's right. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me that. <laughs> so who do you rely on? Hmm. Well, n- myself. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um cuz you, you know, are you close? Who, you know, who are the people that you rely on in your life? Like yeah, well, I would say that I'm one of those um, people that is, um, well, I'm a bit of an introverted extrovert. I am much more comfortable caretaking than being taken care of. Um, I really don't have a lot of close friends. That's some, like people who really know me. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, hmm that tie in a little bit with the trust you don't need to trust people yeah I mean people kind of just let you down (laughs) (laughs) which has been your experience yes let's just say that's been my experience yeah Yeah. so I don't really like to put my trust in people 
And when I do, it is in relationship, and it may be the wrong relationship. <laughs> and that's all fine. It's all learning experiences. But, um, yeah. So you're just incredibly independent. Yes. Yeah. Even, in, also even in your relationships, it feels like. Like, you don't seem like the type of person that can be talked into much. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, I have a really good sense of who I am. And Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess highly opinionated. And then when this is not working for me, <laughs> I'm going to let you know. Right? Yes. yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm always right. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. <laughs> no. Is that a Leo trait? <laughs> I think that might be a Leo trait. Huh? I didn't. I can't help it that I'm always right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're funny. No, I mean, I am very, I'm also very open. I'm very open. I'm humble as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm always open to being taught. I'm always introspective. I'm always asking how I can be better or how I can change. I mean, to be honest, that's what has gotten me caught up in you know, some narcissistic relationships, Mm. you know, where I'm like, oh, how can I change? How can I, you know, and that's not just adjust to these circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How can I fix this? How Mm -hmm. can I make things better? You know, yeah, either energetically or Mm -hmm. smoothing it out um, emotionally or yeah. 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 But, you know, other than that, so I'm willing but that's why I have, I can't, that's why if I get into a relationship, it's going to have to be with someone who is like super on, super knows themselves, mm-hmm. super powerful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alpha well, enough to meet me mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I don't end up in that role again. I think it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who uplifts you in your life? Uh, well, you. Oh, <laughs> Um, I have, um... I have people that I work with. That's what I would say. People, you know, who I come to, perhaps, who I work with as teachers or, you know. um, Your daughters? Yes. Yes, I love my girls. They are super lovely. I miss them. Uh, yeah, that is one, you know, tough thing about, you know, having a music career and having children. They're, you know, they're, they're pretty grown now. Yeah. But, um, you know, just having to be away, having to go and, but we do also have a very unique, special relationship because of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're very, yeah, emotionally close Mm -hmm. and, you know. Well, you, you are very much in touch too, it seems like you talk to them both pretty regularly and frequently yes I try to the younger one she's not much for that but (laughs) but she's good yeah (laughs) she's good she is always good (laughs) what motivates you hmm um what motivates me is being able to well there's a few things but being able to problem solve, <laughs> being able, like, if I see something that needs to be changed or, you know, or 
um, and something needs to be fixed, fixing it. Or, you know, there's a need filling that space for that. Um, creativity, really creativity motivates me. So whether it is, um, you know, playing guitar and writing songs and um, performing out, or it's being able to be creative in the kitchen and make my delicious chocolates and try to find ways to make them keto and amazing. Yeah. You are a great cook. Yeah. Aww. It's really been, um, I have some, I, or you can check out both of our stories. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll probably save a little Krista album or something for you at the top, but <laughs> like maybe behind the scenes of brilliance through resilience, but there's a little video of you from today doing your chocolates in the kitchen. <laughs> and yeah. So you are definitely a creative. And um, do you have any specific daily practices that support and uplift you and mm -hmm. are really empowering for your vision and your goals and, you know, what you're putting forth in the world? Do you have anything that you sh can share that is really supportive of you that you do on a daily basis? Yes. Well, I have things that I wish I did on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all do, right? <laughs> that maybe sometimes I used to do or, you know, um, hmm, I do, well, let's nap. <laughs> yeah. Rest is important. Yes, I would say, and to be honest, that's really what that is. That's yeah, sort of really, a checking in. Yeah. It's a bit of a meditation. It's a, like, coming back like I have my energy goes up and down you know I'm one of those people some people can't nap I'm one of those people who just needs a little like reset mm -hmm. if I'm giving too much out or there's too much mm -hmm. energy out there sometimes it has to go into myself reset so that really does work for me um I also um really like to I'm not <laughs> I've been doing it enough but we're gonna start doing it more um just kind of Start, you know, visualizing. I like to visualize where uh, where I'm going. I like to visualize being there in terms of like, yeah, you know, the future and what I want to create. What does this feel like? I'm here and it's created and I'm doing it. Instead of being in the place of like, oh, how do I get to that place? How am I going to, you know, like I try <laughs> another lifelong lesson to keep my mind out of the details and just go to that place of feeling and feel that and then call it in and allow things to come you're a terrific manifester <laughs> <laughs> it's true you are well that's like that's the basis of it right it's like it's being able to feel <laughs> into what what could be Yes. What if, what if, what if, if you're able to ask what if, in mm -hmm. addition to what your current environment is, you're, yeah. a, you're constantly being the powerful creator that you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're so wise. Is there a woman you know who you feel needs to share their story and be heard? Is there anyone that you know? Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are so many. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like every woman has a story. Yeah, I do too, which is why I started this. Yeah. 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 And I feel like more women should share their stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. then we can all start to relate and have a lot more compassion mm-hmm. and love for each other mm-hmm. and recognize yes. that, you know, we aren't so different from each other. We aren't as separate as we think that we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially now, just women coming together to support and empower each other, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and end the cycle, uh, the patriarchal cycle mm-hmm. of pitting women against each other yeah. and competition, you know, and now it's that strong feminine energy that we need that's going to save the world. Yep. And it literally is happening right now. Yep. Yeah. So important to keep in mind when we see all the BS and stuff that looks really scary happening in the world. Really important to focus on, well, look how it's changing. Mm-hmm. Look what's happening, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's through um, it's through the feminine really making changes, insisting, you know. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm behind you. I'm cheering <laughs> you on, girl. You do it. You do it through your music for sure. How can people find you or follow you on social media? How can we find you? I'll put it in the show notes too. But yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Um, just under your name. Yeah, Krista Herring. Can you spell that out? K-R-I-S-T-A-H-E-R-R-I-N-G. And on Instagram, it's Krista Herring Music. Okay. And you have a website. Music. I do, yes, kristaherring.com. Okay. So there's that. You can find me on iTunes and Spotify and Pandora and all those places. Even Bandcamp, if that's your thing. It's just, you know, you can just Google. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> Google me. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you so much for you sharing more about you today <laughs> and sharing your strength and really sitting here and Um, witnessing you as the powerful woman that you are and having a chance to get to know you and share your story has been really, really a special moment for me. So thank you for that. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for for having me and and being interested in asking all these questions about weird things you might not want to have the answer to. wonderful and I think that um you know I I already admitted like you know I I love who you are as a person and it's great that you have a moment to share that because I I know that other people um that don't already know you and haven't already found your music will um also love you as well so love me yeah (laughs) that's what it's all about love me okay well awesome thank you Hey, Andrea again. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode. To show you my gratitude, I'm offering you a 10% discount off any product when you shop online at psychiccheerleader.com. Just use the code BTR10 at checkout. Thank you for your continued support. So I remember a time when I didn't have energetic tools at my disposal and I use, I still use a bunch of products that are super supportive of me and balancing me. And one of them is CBD oil. I use CBD oil to help me sleep. And I recommend it to clients, but there's a number of applications that you can use it for, whether it's for inflammation in your body or nausea or headaches. Anyways, I have an affiliation with this 
amazing company named ThoughtCloud. And ThoughtCloud produces 100% organic lab-tested CBD oils made from hemp plants grown on licensed farms in Colorado. And the most amazing part is it's Reiki infused. And you know by who? Me. So I infuse all of the CBD oil before it gets processed into all of their products. So you're getting high vibrational energy, both through plant medicine and healing and energetic healing in each of your purchases. The other, and I think they're really the only, one of the only companies that is doing this. So, uh, you know, applause to ThoughtCloud for their ingenuity and their forward thinking. Uh, if you go to thoughtcloud.net, that's T-H-O-U-G-H-T-C-L-O-U-D.net, and when you order something, while you're checking out, if you put in the coupon area, psychic cheerleader, all one word, that psychic cheerleader, you will get 10 to 15% off depending on what you purchase. So there's a little gift to you. I hope you find it supportive. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to Brilliance Through Resilience podcast. Find the show notes to this episode and all episodes at brilliancetheresilience.com. I invite you to join me in your own transformational healing by heading over to the resources at psychiccheerleader.com. That's my website where you can learn more about my life and offerings as a psychic cheerleader, specifically why I am different than any other coaching you previously experienced. I am here to assist you in clearing and also healing the deep conditioning around emotional trauma, which allows for the accessibility to new growth and expansion within. You deserve that clarity, vision, and fulfillment. Isn't it time? You can also follow my journey on Instagram at Psychic Cheerleader. And if you love this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you would take a moment to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. Those particular actions help to continue to build this amazing community and encourages more women like you to share your stories of bravery and courage. Wherever you are, I want you to remember this. Every woman has a story and every woman deserves love. Let's continue to meet each other in love. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening in and joining me on this journey. See you next time. Hey.